0: Well, again, good morning. We want to welcome you to First Baptist Church. Uh, it kind of felt funny yesterday. I was putting together a post to put online to, to invite people to church. And um, as I was, I was creating it, I, I wrote, uh, join us through one of our, uh, our online venues. It's kind of fun. I feel like for, for the moment we're a multi-campus church, multi-site church. And, and the reality is that's true. We're a multi-site church. In this moment, as you meet in your homes, as, as you meet wherever it is that you are, and we are so glad that you've come together to join us for worship, we do trust that God will speak to us uh, through, whatever, um, through whatever situation, circumstance we're in, and that he'll speak to us in ways that, that clearly reaches us where we are. Um, so we, we trust God for that to, this morning. As we do turn our attention now to the word of God, uh, let's, go, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, I thank you so much for your goodness and your grace to us, Lord. Even in the midst of these moments, you are, you are gracious and you are good. Lord, as, as we talked this morning in preparation, getting ready for this service even, uh, we talked about how you moved uh, in the past four years, Lord, to prepare us for this very time. Lord, pieces of equipment and things that we bought uh, for, for momentary uses, Lord, uh, are now being repurposed for this moment uh, to help us to be able to better reach Uh, The community of of Seymour, Indiana and beyond, Uh, Lord, throughout the state of Indiana, throughout our world, and Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, we pray that uh, you'd help the internet to hold up this morning, and Lord, that you would speak through our time together. Lord, we offer it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to ask you a question, even though you're far off and I'm here. Uh, Have you ever laughed at an inappropriate moment? Or or a better question would be, what is it about inappropriate moments that make us want to laugh? I follow a, a a different, a couple of different things on on Instagram and Facebook. Fail Army is one, and oftentimes House of Highlights, and and I find it particularly interesting on on Fail Army. Fail Army is a site that people who get videos of people as this as the name would indicate failing doing whatever it is that they're doing normally they're they're doing a skateboard trip trick and they fall or they're trying to ride one of those hoverboardy things and they fall or they're trying to to play baseball and they get hit with the ball or they're you know, trying to mess with a phone and they drop it into a, a pond or into the ocean, and, and those are things that that if they happen to us in the moment are really bad things and things that we're like, ooh, that's that's not good. Uh, but we see those things online, we see those things in videos, and we're like, <laughs> there's just something funny about it. And I'm not trying to be hateful. Maybe you're holier than I am, and that's good for you. That's definitely possible. But I know for me, uh, there's an involuntary response. Even in real life when, when things happen, uh, sometimes you, you just you laugh. Or, or perhaps perhaps you're, you're in a conversation and you're having a very serious conversation with someone and you're debating. And, and you're, you don't agree. You're from very different sides and, and you're trying to, to keep your composure. You see it even in, in some of these presidential debates where uh, the candidates are going back and forth and That a candidate will make a point and you'll see other candidates on the stage kind of go, (laughs) (laughs) You know, they they involuntarily have this laugh mechanism that comes in. Or or perhaps in your own life something will happen that is is actually rather embarrassing. And inside you want to cry, but externally you're laughing because that's the response. Uh, We we have that. There's something in us that causes us to laugh at inappropriate moments for a variety of reasons. And I kept thinking about that all all week as I looked at this passage. Actually, this is one of the passages as I began preparing this series on Genesis and on Abram and Abraham, the patriarch. This is one of those messages I was kind of excited to get to. It's the moment where Sarah hears God's promise and she just can't keep the laughter inside. And so let's look at that. We're going to be looking at Genesis Genesis chapter 18, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 15. If you have a Bible with you, I encourage you to open up and, and follow along with me this morning. Genesis 18, 1 through 15. It says, The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre, while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. And Abram looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them, and he bowed low to the ground. He said, If I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and and rest under this tree. Let, Let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed and then go on your way, now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered to him. Do as you say. So Abram hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three sayas of the finest flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set it before these men. While they ate, he stood near them under the tree. Where is your wife, Sarah? they asked him. There in the tent, he said. Then one of them said, it will surely re- I will surely return to you about this time next year. And, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself and as she thought, After I'm worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why, why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I'm old? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I, I, I didn't laugh. But he said, yes, you did. You see Sarah laughing at an inappropriate time, laughing at something that really isn't a, a laughing matter, laughing at something that is, is being assured to her by God. And, and I have to be honest, I if I'm really honest, I've found myself in a position similar to Sarah where I find God promising something and, and I look at what's being promised and I look at the reality of my life and I think, yeah, that, that's likely. <laughs> yeah, that's going to happen. And I think we all deal with that from time to time. But I think we see this progress in a way, and Abram is at a different point. Abram has actually dealt with this already, and we see things going on. We see that, that Abram, as he's going on in his life, he, he's, he's seeing with eyes of faith. And I think for you, that's important, particularly in moments like what we're in right now. We need to see with eyes of faith, because help, faith helps us see the divine in the everyday. Faith helps us see the divine in the everyday. The, the truth is that God is moving. Even now, in the midst of this circumstance, even now in the midst of this this worldwide issue, even now in the midst of the things that that you already had going on in your household, even now in the midst of the financial issues that you had previous to this, even now in the midst of of the health struggles and the issues you've had, God is still there. God has not forgotten you. God is still moving, and God still has a plan and a purpose for your life. We see Abram attempting to look with eyes of faith. Well, why, why do I see that? Because we see here that Abram is hanging out at his tent and God appears, as God is often wont to do, in his time and in his ways. God doesn't call ahead and say, hey, you know what, I'm going to be there. Like God does at the end, give them an appointed time. But even then, God says, hey, around this time next year, I'm going to show up. So God unexpectedly shows up to Abram. God, God pays Abram a visit. If you look at verses 1 through 3, God pays Abraham a visit when no one in their right mind would be out visiting. God shows up on the scene when nobody would be out and around. You know, this re- in reality, this, this is a trend that, that seems to be carried out throughout the Old Testament and certainly in the life of Jesus certainly in the life of Jesus, that, that God has this tendency to show up when we least expect him in the place where we least expect it. It's actually in the moments where, where it seems the least likely that God, in my experience, is the most likely to show up and to come to us. We see that to be the case here for Abraham. Abraham's hanging out under the tree in the heat of the day, it says, and he looks up and there are three visitors and the text tells us that the Lord appeared to Abraham the Lord appeared the the word here translated lord is Yahweh it disambiguates, it clarifies exactly who the author is talking about. Understand that Abram, Abraham doesn't have the introduction that we have here. This is narration that provides context for us. And it's very clear that the writer of Genesis understands this visitor, one of the visitors at least, if not all three, to be carrying a divine appointment. That God himself is in this moment. That God is showing up onto the scene. That Yahweh has come to visit Abraham. No formal greeting is provided, right? But if we look, we see that Abraham is keenly aware of what's going on. That as Abraham looks out from his, his perch at the entrance of his tent under this tree, as he sees these three visitors approaching, he realizes that something special is going on. And more importantly, he realizes that someone special has come to visit. Sensible people simply didn't travel around during the hottest portion of the day. That's in my text it says that Abraham Abraham was sitting at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day. Uh, a better translation, a better rendering would be at the hottest point of the day. This this has this has inklings of Jesus visiting the woman at the well. It's the hottest portion of the day. P- people simply didn't travel at that point in time. They did what Abraham was doing. They found a shady spot, they sat themselves down, and they hung out. They waited for the heat to pass. The reality is that if you, if you go into the global south, if you go into to portions of the, of the world outside of the Americas and, and, and the places I've been in, in North America, Canada, uh, and in Europe, it, you see that people have the siesta, right? That, that they have this nap time that happens in the, this rest time that, that happens in the middle of the day. Even when we go to India, uh, my Indian friends are constantly concerned that, that we don't, Exert ourselves too much. So, in the middle of the day, they they will encourage us to take rest. You need to take rest. And the reality is, they're trying to help us escape the heat. Further, the reality is that there's really nothing for us to do because there's no one to whom we can minister at that time. Because everybody with half a brain is shutting things down because it's hot. It's hot outside. It's time to take rest. This is something that we we saw in the global south, that, that something has been true historically. And I think it's something that we see even now. That God, for whatever reason and through this means, has given us as humanity in this time a time to slow down. A time to take rest. The heat has been turned up outside. It's hot. It's uncomfortable. It's awkward. And it's hard to escape it outside of the confines of our tents, and so God is encouraging us, along with ye old CDC and the WHO, to to hang out for a minute, to, to rest in our tents. We see Abram doing just that, and Abram looks up in the midst of that, and he sees the divine in this moment, and he acts with urgency. We see here it says that Abram looked up in verse 2 and saw three men standing nearby. And when he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed to the ground. This is significant. Because men of Abram's standing... Men with some standing, remember God had said to Abraham, I'm going to make your name great. And we know that by this point in time, Abraham has accomplished some pretty significant things. He had had some social standing. So men of social standing, people of social standing did not hurry. People of social standing did not run, particularly once again, during, during the heat of the day, they did not hurry to do anything. But here we see Abraham looking up and seeing these three visitors and seeing the Lord in the midst of it. And so he hurries to greet them. He runs. Not only did men of Abraham's social standing not run, men of Abraham's age were less able to run. Remember, he's pushing 100 years old. And here this 100-year-old man jumps up and runs out. This 100-year-old man with great standing and wisdom runs out to greet these visitors. As they're coming, I can't tell you how many people, I, I'm a runner and I enjoy running when I get a chance. And oftentimes when I'm talking to people, particularly those that are, that are older, they, they'll tell me, hey, if you see me running, you better run too because something's chasing me. The only reason I'm running is if something's chasing me. And here we see Abraham running, not because something is chasing him, but because there's something worth chasing. You know what, you and I need to, to become accustomed to acting with urgency when we see God moving. When, when we look out with our eyes of faith and we see the divine in an everyday moment, we need to, to rush to join God in the midst of that. And, and I, I would submit to you that in the midst of all that's going on, that God is moving in so many different ways. I love the, the things that have been transpiring through different churches, and, and I love uh, the, the things that have happened here. I think particularly of, of Monica Lyon contacting me before this all broke out, and Monica is looking, and she sees a moment, and so she wants to, to act with urgency. That, this urgent response thing that happened through First Baptist, that was Monica's brainchild. As she, so many churches are doing it. We're rushing to move because even in the midst of the hurt and the heat of the moment, we see God is moving, and we just want to be a part of it. We, we want to be close to what God is doing in this moment. My hope and prayer is that this is something that will continue on through, through this moment that we find ourselves in, but it's something that will add to our everyday lives. Sure, that, that will take moments to rest. And it will take moments to slow down, but that we would, we would look with eyes of faith that we might see the divine in everyday interactions, that we might be able to rush to meet him in that moment to serve God where we see him going we see that Abram, abraham actually understands that this is god you know the, the narrator tells us that it is yahweh the lord but abraham himself as he approaches says if i have in verse 3 if i have found favor in your eyes my lord there are two different spellings used most commonly throughout the old testament to refer to my lord the first is, is just to a sign of respect to someone who has greater stature to you than you, or, or someone that you have great respect for. My Lord, it, it would be an authority, it would be like saying, Sir. The second is exclusively used to refer to God. The word and the spelling used in this context to describe Abraham calling out to my Lord is the, the, the form that is used exclusively to refer to the Lord God. Abram sees what's going on. Make no mistake, Abraham sees the divine in this moment and understands that God has sent his messengers and that God himself is present in the midst of this. He recognizes God when he sees him. He sees God's presence and he runs to join them. And notice what Abraham does. It's not just that Abraham wants a moment to greet them. Abraham pleads for God and his messengers to stay with him for a while. He wants God to linger for a moment. Again, in verse 3, it says, If I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. What's lost in the English translation is actually one word used three times. And three times in the context, in the Hebrew version of this, Abraham says, please. He says, please, if I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, please do not pass your servant by. Please. Abraham is begging, God, please stay. Please please hang out with me for a while. Just spend a minute here. Let, let me serve you, Lord. Stay here with me. I love Abraham's response because Abraham makes this seem like this is Abraham makes this seem like it's no big deal, right? He, he says, Hey, if I found favor, let me get you something to eat so you can be resh, refreshed. Let, let me get you a little water for your feet. I, I love the King James. It's a little water for your feet and a morsel. Abraham's like, hey, this is no big deal. You know, I just, I had some stuff laying around. We weren't going to use it. Let me just get you a little water and a little snack roll for the road because I know it's hot and you need something to take care of yourself. And hospitality was a big deal. What's great is that Abraham in verses six through seven, after they agree to stay, Abraham does everything he can to offer the very best he has. He he wants these, these divine visitors to stay. And he wants to communicate how important they are to him in that moment. Think about what the text tells us. First, the text tells us that Sarah is the one that makes cakes from the finest flour. This is a great honor. You you didn't ask the lady of the house to cook for just anyone. They had servants for that, right? Remember, Abraham has a standing army of uh, several hundred men. He has all kinds of servants. They have Hagar just sitting around. They can have her make these cakes. But Abraham's like, no, 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 no. This is going to be touched by the lady of the house. Sarah is going to take care of this. Sarah is going to prepare these cakes. It's an honor, and Sarah is going to honor them by preparing them herself. Second, Abraham himself goes out and chooses the best calf to prepare for his guests. Again, Abraham could have sent the servant that was going to prepare it, but instead, Abraham went out himself to his herds, and he looked around through all the different calves that he had, and he picked the one that he thought was best, the choicest calf, and he brought it in for his servant to prepare. Finally, he serves all of this food to them with some yogurt or cheese, if you will, and milk while they rest in the shade. It's not even just that they bring him, he brings them a little bit of water. He brings them the finest thing he had to offer. And while they rest in the shade, Abraham serves the Lord and his angels. When Abraham sees the presence of God, he hurries to meet God where he sees him and offers the very best he can offer in his service. You know what? You and I need to be on the lookout God is still active in this world. Even in the heat of this moment, God is still moving. God God is not restricted by our realities. God is not restricted by that which discomforts us and causes problems. God is not restricted by the, the obstacles that hold us back. And the truth is that even in the midst of this moment, that God's message is continuing to go forth in this time. And the truth is that even in the midst of this moment that God is is seeking to reassure us of his promises and his presence. That God has not forgotten us. God has not abandoned us. That God is coming to us even in the midst of this moment and seeking to meet with us in this time. Seeking to use us in our discomfort. God comes and he reassures Abraham, hey, my promise is still good. I'm still going to provide you a son. I know that you've been waiting. I know that it's been difficult, but my promise is still good. And you have a little while longer to wait. But in a little while, I'm going to be here, and I'm going to deliver on exactly what I told you I would do. What I love about this passage is it moves as, as Abraham and Sarah and, and all of their people are working so hard to serve the Lord and their visitors And God announces this, that that we see this involuntary laughter. And we see a reality that I think happens often in our lives. Something we can trust in. That God will turn our scoffing disbelief into joyful laughter. God will turn our scoffing disbelief into joyful laughter. It's exactly what we see in this moment. Sarah hears the promise that God provides as he's enjoying The food and the heat of the day. And she laughs. But God once again reaffirms his promise to Abraham. This time though God does go a step further and he provides an actual due date. A receipt time that, that you can expect my promise to come to you at this time. Sarah will have a son in verse 10 it says. This is a promise that only God would have known. These these random visitors showing up in the heat of the day couldn't have known this. Only God could have known this. And the visitor says, Sarah will have a son. At his age, but in God's time, there's only 12 months to wait. Remember, they've been waiting for 25 plus years. We look at that and we think, one year, wow, that's a long time to wait. Well, first of all, it takes nine months for for the kid to come about, right? So it's just a little beyond that. But they've been waiting for 25-plus years since God has issued the promise to them. And God says, you've only got one more year, just a little bit longer, just a little bit more time. It's coming. I promise you, it's coming. Trust me. Wait on me. It's coming. One year's time. Time and time again. I feel like a broken record sometimes when I come to these passages in Genesis. Because it seems like in every chapter, God is having to reassure Abraham. Abraham, I'm going to give you a son. Abraham, you're going to be the father of many nations. And Sarah is going to be the the, the mother of princes. Abraham, the promise is coming. The, The whole world is going to be blessed through your progeny, through your children. Abraham, the promise is still good. Hold on, it's coming. Time and time again, God is reassuring Abraham that the promise is on its way. I can resonate with that. I know that in my own life, I find I need reassurance early and often. That the longer I have to wait, the more reminders I need of what's coming. It's easy for us to doubt what we can't see. It's easier for us to lose faith when the promise is slow in coming. And and even more so, it's easy for us to struggle when the life that we're living and the reality of our circumstances don't lend themselves to the fulfillment of the promise that has been made. We see that in the life of Abraham and Sarah, and I feel that in my own heart in life sometimes. Sometimes it feels like we're waiting forever. Where is God in the midst of this? Where is the great thing that you've promised me? Sure, you can do the impossible, but right now it feels like you're not doing anything. Where are you, God? Are you really going to do this for me? And it seems like Sarah and Abraham are dealing with that. They've been dealing with that for a while, and God over and over again reminds them. But I think that's part of the grace of God. that, That God has no problem repeating himself to us. God understands our weaknesses. He he knows the heaviness of our hearts. He knows the burden that we bear. And over and over again, as we look throughout Scripture, we see God reminding not just the people in the pages of Scripture, but the people that are in the here and now. God is reminding us that He is good that his mercies, that his love endures forever, that his grace does not have an expiration date, and that God will meet us in the midst of our moment. And even in the heat of the day, God will bring about the good that he has promised. Sometimes we just need to wait a little bit longer to trust just a little bit more. He provides reassurance and renewed hope to carry on. You know what's different about this passage as opposed to other times when God has reassured Abraham? Is the messenger specifically asks, hey, where's Sarah? Where's Sarah? Verse 9. says, so where's your wife Sarah? They asked him. Abraham says, uh, "There in the tent right behind us. You know, I think that, that, that the angel or the messenger asks this because they want to make sure that Sarah is close enough to hear what's going on that this reassurance that's coming is not just for Abraham, but for Sarah as well, that she needs to hear this too. This time, the messenger makes sure that Sarah is close enough to hear the promise for herself, which is great, right? The first time that Sarah gets to hear this, that we know, without a shadow of a doubt, that Sarah hears it for herself. And how does Sarah respond to this good news of great joy? (laughs) Right. Right. Sure. Sarah laughs. Look at verses eleven and twelve. This is Abram. This is now Sarah was listening at the entrance entrance to the tent which was behind them. Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, After I'm worn out, my Lord is old, we're gonna now have this pleasure. Remember, Sarah and Abraham are old, old. And Abraham is pushing 100. We look in seven, chapter 17, and, and it tells us Abraham is pushing 100, and Sarah herself is 90. Listen, I've heard all the arguments, well, they had children at an older age back then. By this point, even, this, even by this point, it's considered old. This is past the point of childbearing years. How do we know this? The passage tells us that she is past childbearing And what that literally means, the wording actually indicates that she had gone through menopause, that she is physically no longer able to have children, that based upon the cycle of her life and the reality of her own body, this is a physical impossibility at this point. This cannot happen. Sarah has a reason to scoff and laugh because her body just doesn't function that way anymore. (laughs) Right, God. are, Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? At this point this is going to happen. Sure. Okay. Sarah literally goes on to compare herself to a worn out worn out garment or rag. She says after I'm worn out, after I'm already used up, after my time of usefulness is over, now God is going to now God is going to bring this pleasure and this honor into my life. Sure. <laughs> right. Okay. It's not just unlikely, it's impossible. You and I, we want to look at this. We want to explain away with science the miraculous. And don't get me wrong. Science explains a great many things. And science is great. And we should listen to scientists. And we should do what they're offering. And we should follow their advice. I think of that particularly now in the midst of the circumstance. It is wise for us to do social distancing and, and to wash our hands. This is common sense stuff. Science, But science only takes us so far. The reality is we know that there are things that happen in this world. That even doctors and the best of scientists, the brightest minds of mine, among us look at and they say i have no idea how that happened or why because god is still moving and god moves in ways that are not only improbable but are impossible according to our human understanding sarah understands she laughs okay but you know what we we often look at this passage and we remember that sarah laughed but remember sarah didn't laugh first if we look back at Genesis 17, 17, God has promised Abraham that, that Sarai or Sarah is going to have children. And Abraham, Abraham, in verse 17, it says, Abraham fell face down and he laughed to himself and said, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? And will Sarah build a, bear a child at the age of 90? And Abraham said to God, if, if only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Use him, God. This is not likely. It is, We just can't do this, God. Use him. Abraham laughed first. The truth is that for both Abraham and Sarah, experience has taught them that not only was this improbable and highly unlikely, but in their own efforts, they understand that this is impossible. To them, the reality is this is no laughing matter. They're laughing because it hits them in a certain way. But let's be honest, to these people at this point in time, this really isn't funny. It's probably a little bit offensive, if we're honest, to both of them. It's offensive to Sarah because they continued to rub in her face her inability to provide Abraham with the promised child. She's got to be keenly aware. She already is keenly aware of the fact that she can't bear children. It's why she offered her husband up to her handmaid or her handmaid up to her husband to to have the child because it's not possible. She doesn't have it in her. And you got to think she's sick of hearing about this promise that's supposed to come, that she's waited for for 25 years, that they've made this effort and she continually fails to deliver. It's offensive. It's offensive to Abraham. Because he had already given us, had a son. And God is essentially saying, Abraham, this son who you love, he's great. And I'm still gonna do big things through him, but he's not the promised one. You need something more, you need something else. Abraham says, But I've delivered God. Why this is here, why don't you just use him? I see, I've done this thing, why don't you use this? And I wonder if at times God doesn't come to us and say, No, that's not what I'm wanting for you, and you're like, but I did it. I did a thing, God. Why, aren't, why isn't this enough? And God's saying, no, 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 no. I, it is good, but I'm going to do something more. I have something else planned. I'm still working in this. Wait for me. It's coming. It's certainly a little bit awkward. You've got to think having three total strangers talk about your reproduction issues is, is going to be an issue. I'm talking about intimate details of their life. You know, going off text a little bit, you gotta wonder if if Sarah is listening in the background saying, Abram, why don't you shut your mouth? Stop telling people about this. It's none of their business. This is awkward. Why is everybody talking about my reproductive issues? It's gotta be frustrating. They've heard this song and dance for so long. And they found the dance to be less than fulfilling by this point in their lives. So they hear God say, hey, I'm going to provide this promise. I'm going to do this. You and Sarah are going to have a kid. And Abram says, <laughs> right, okay. Sarah hears it. Hey, you and, you're going to have a, you and Abraham are going to have a kid. <laughs> sure. I don't know about you, but I have no poker face, none whatsoever. I, I wear exactly what I'm thinking on my face. And, and as much as I try to hide it, I cannot. So if you say something that I think is, and I apologize to all of you listening to me right now. If you've ever said something and my initial reaction was less than gracious, I apologize. I don't do it intentionally, and I may have even come back. You may have made sense, and what you said may have been right. And I may have had to come back and say, you know what? You're right. In that initial moment when I hear what I think is ridiculous, I, 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 I try and I try. But there's just something in me that goes, <laughs> right, sure. I can't help it. And I'll be honest, I'll confess to you that in that moment, I am being disrespectful. Because in that moment, in that little bit of a scoff of disbelief, I am saying, you're an idiot. <laughs> I apologize. I repent. I repent. I'm trying to fix it. But, but many of us have that issue. We hear something and without a second thought, we're like, <laughs> And we scoff in disbelief that something so ridiculous could even be offered up. Make no mistake, that is exactly what's going on here. Abraham and Sarah are scoffing in disbelief that God is really going to deliver. But you know what I think is so great about this passage? Is, and looking back into chapter 17, is that God is going to get the last laugh. We have to, again, have to look back to chapter 17 to Sarah. But look, look at ver, chapter 17, verse 19. After Abraham laughs, and just before Sarah laughs, it says, Then God said, Yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son. And you will call him Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. Something significant there, and I'm sure in your notes it tells you. But God is going to, God has declared the name of this child, and the child will be called Yishtak. Yishtak means he laughs. He laughs. I think there are several different ways that we can take this. First and foremost, I think we need to understand that Abraham laughed first and Sarah laughed second, but God would laugh last. God was going to get the last laugh in this because God ultimately was going to provide and he was going to come through and he was going to prove his word valid. But I think what's great about this is that Yishtak, Isaac, was also going to inspire laughter in the worn out and weary hearts of his parents who have been waiting for so long. Their scoffing of disbelief is going to turn into the laughter of joy, as what God has promised would be made known and made whole. Further, Yishtek, this child of promise, would carry on the promise, and his children and his children's children, and his children's children's children would continue to carry on the promise till one day the announcement would be made by another angel that I bring you good news. Of great joy, for born this day in the city of David is Christ the Lord. Through this promised child comes the fulfillment of the ultimate promise, Jesus, the one that brings joy to all the world. And he laughs. As God laughs, he brings joy to all of our hearts. I think that appropriate text that has been coming to mind as I think about this. You've heard the saying that man plans and God laughs. In Psalm chapter 2, it says, Why do the nations conspire and the people's plot in vain? The kings of this earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. But the one enthroned laughs in heaven. The Lord scoffs at them we plan and we have these ideas about how things have to work and how things should go and and we try to to manipulate and maneuver to get things to move forward in our time and in our time and our way because often we think that God is just a little too slow in moving it's just a little bit too unlikely and God sits in heaven going <laughs> oh you guys are so funny listen I've got something way better for you just hold on wait till you see it it is going to be amazing I've got something coming for you believe me it is worth it and God laughs because God knows what's coming we worry in the waiting but God promises joy for those that wait joy is coming in the morning we are prone to think that we know what's best We're prone to step in and try to fix it for God, fix the broken plan. We try to make God's plans and promises a little bit more manageable, a little bit more likely, a little bit more scientifically solvent, a little bit more uh, believable. Whatever we want to call it, when we step in and try to manage and manipulate God's promise, it is rebellion. It is rebellion. Rebellion. Think about Genesis. At the very beginning, God says, hey, you can eat from any tree in this garden. Take whatever you want, but just don't eat from that one. And Adam and Eve look, and they decide they've got to have that one thing that they couldn't have. And they go off script, and they do their own thing. It breaks it all for all of us. Is that not what we do right now? We wait for God, and God's promised, and God has given us a layout of how He's going to work in His Word, and We just get tired of waiting. So we try to help God. But how often does our seeking to help God end up hurting us and those around us? God says, wait. I promise you it's coming. Remember, I am good. I am God. I am faithful. It's coming. In moments of doubt and difficulty, we feel like we've had to wait a little bit too long for God to move in our half, we scoff. We say, sure, God, God's moving. God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. Doesn't feel really good right now. Where's God in the midst of this mess? And we need to remember that God will have the last laugh. We need to remember that in His grace, God will deliver on His promise. Yishtak, he laughs, reminds us that the joy of the Lord is ours. That the joy of our salvation is available and will be renewed and restored if we turn to him. That God is still moving, that God is still active even in the darkest and most difficult of days. And if we look out even in the midst of the heat of the moment, We'll see God moving in the midst of the everyday and the ordinary. We'll see God doing that which is exceptional, unbelievable, not only improbable but impossible because our God is not limited by the realities of our world. He's not surprised by the struggles of our moment. And he has a plan and a purpose and he is moving for our good and for his glory. Are we looking for it? Will we recognize it when we see God moving in amazing ways? And are we ready to rush to meet him in those moments, trusting that he will bring about his promise through his power, for his purpose, for our good and his glory? Father God, we thank you so much for the truth of your word. God, we pray that you help us to rest on your promises in seasons of, of doubt and seasons of disbelief and seasons of struggle and heartache and hurt, but also in seasons of happiness and and goodness and plenty. God, help us to trust you. Help us to remember the greatness and goodness of your word. Help us to lean into the reminders that you've provided for us to trust that you will move in your time. God, give us the strength to believe. Give us the eyes to see and the faith to move in the direction in which you're calling us even this day in Jesus' name.